This is most certainly true. The Lamb of God who was long foretold has come to be our sacrifice. Jesus offered himself and graciously shed his blood in our place so that we could be forgiven. And now we have the assurance of life and glory with him forever in heaven. Join us to look to the Lamb through this sermon recently delivered at Grace. Jesus tells a Jewish leader the way to everlasting life. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the Gospel according to John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Gospel of our Lord. He was hardly the bright, shining example of confidence. He wasn't the worst of them, far from it. He had questions. He wasn't quite sure about Jesus. He had questions about Jesus, and who better to go with, go to with your questions about Jesus than to Jesus? And so that's what Nicodemus did. He went and he sought him out. So that he could ask, are you the one that we're supposed to be looking for? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that the Old Testament has foretold? Or, or are we to look for someone else? 
He had questions about Jesus, and so he initiated the conversation that is our gospel for today from John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a prominent player in the religious life of God's people. He was a Pharisee, well-respected as one who would know the scriptures. He was even a member of the Jewish ruling council, the 70-man ruling body called the Sanhedrin. With it came power and prominence. But Nicodemus wasn't sure about Jesus. Some of his friends had made up their minds. Many of them had already rejected Jesus. They would have taken him out on the spot on that day if given the opportunity. But Nicodemus wasn't there. He wasn't quite sure where he was, but he wasn't there. He wasn't going to rush to a judgment, especially not before he had an opportunity to go straight to the source. And so he found Jesus, and they talked. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Do you notice how Jesus cut right to the chase? Nicodemus made a good observation. Jesus, you must have some sort of relationship with God. You must have some sort of connection to his power. No one could do miracles, the ones that you're doing, unless you were connected to God. So what is it? What is that connection? Who are you? And Jesus replied, if you want to know me, you have to know the Father. It was two and a half years later that a very similar line of questions and answers, it's recorded for us in John chapter 10, the Jewish people asked Jesus point blank, are you the Messiah? And his response, I and the Father are one. Nicodemus, my son, if you want to understand the things of God, then you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. Jesus gave him a spiritual answer. Nicodemus should have understood that as a spiritual leader. He should have understand, understood that Jesus was giving him a spiritual answer, but he was stuck in the physical. How could that be, Jesus? How could I, as a grown man, enter back into my mother's womb? And so Jesus clarifies, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. It's not about how a person enters into this world. It's about how they can enter into heaven. I don't know if Nicodemus understood it or not, but he was having the most important conversation that could ever be had on the face of the earth. Identifying Jesus. It's more than just 
gearing up for your next night of trivia. It's more than just scratching a curiosity itch. The who, what, when, where, and why of Jesus. It's the most important truth that you'll ever come to know. Knowing how the Spirit works, it gives us reborn confidence. We have been born again. Born from above. The Spirit has caused spiritual life to rule in our hearts. We have been baptized into the name of the triune God, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been born again of water and the Spirit. Given that connection to God that only He can give. And now we can recall our baptisms and rejoice in the everlasting life that has been promised to us. The Holy Spirit is the one. The one who comes to us and plants faith in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the one who works repentance in our hearts so that we can confess our sins and cling to the forgiveness that our God has promised. It's the Holy Spirit who creates and strengthens faith through the means of grace, through the gospel in word and sacrament. It's through the Spirit that we are born again. Confidence was waning. Uncertainty was growing at hypersonic speed. It started with one, one snake, then ten snakes, then a hundred snakes, slithering and sliding, chasing and chomping. And God's people figured it out. This was no coincidence. This was no happenstance or or natural occurrence. This was a message from God. This was a message of God's displeasure, of God's anger. We have been thumbing our noses at God and at his chosen leaders. We have been grumbling and complaining, and finally God said enough is enough, and he sent the snakes. God's people were smart enough to figure something else out, too. That they deserved that wrath from God, every bit of it and more. How foolish it was for them to shake their fists at God. How foolish to spit on the blessings that he had provided for them. They deserved God's wrath and anger and punishment. But then their hearts changed. People came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and God answered that prayer. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake, a bronze snake, and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Can I be real with you for a second? This doesn't make any sense. There's no medical or scientific backing for the fact that when you get bitten by a snake, if you just fix your gaze in a certain direction or on a a certain thing, then the power of that venom goes away. If you got bit by a snake and went to your doctor 
and they gave you a copy of Serpents Illustrated and said, here, thumb through this, and by the time you get to the end, you, sh- you should be good. You'd be firing your doctor and going and finding a real one who could really help. It doesn't make any sense. But when God connects his promises, it makes all the sense in the world. God told those people that when they looked at that bronze snake that Moses put up on the pole, they would see in it a symbol of God's mercy and power and faithfulness. Looking to that snake would be looking in faith, would be trusting in the promise that God had made for them. It's through that promise that they would live. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I'm going to be real just one more time. That doesn't make any sense either. That God, the righteous and perfect and holy and almighty and creator God, that he would want a sinner like me and a sinner like you, that he would go to the lengths that he went to to make us to be his own, that he would choose people like us who can't do anything to make God's life any better. Doesn't make sense. And that one would give his life and that would mean, the death of one would mean life for the world. You don't have to be a biology major to figure that one out. It's not the way it works. Unless God attaches his promises and his power. The Apostle Paul shared that same truth to his friends at the church in Corinth. It's in the first chapter of his first letter that he says, the, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Look to Jesus and live. Many find it preposterous. But we find in it power. Many find that laughable, but we find their lavish, lofty, lasting life. The love of our Lord, that he would do just that. That he would come to be our substitute and savior. That he would bleed so that we could have our wounds made whole. So that we could live Christ Jesus would die. Many in this world are unsure and uncertain about that. Many have downright rejected that message, but you and I have reborn confidence. Confidence and hope that what Christ Jesus has done and what he has promised us will most certainly come true for us. He has chosen us called us to be his own and given us eyes that are wide open to see the length and the depth of his love for us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When we look to Jesus, we are spared. The venom of Satan's bite should be our undoing. The sting of every time we fail to stand up against temptation, that should be the death of us. But God so loved the world. The weight of sin's debt, the debt that we have accumulated and acquired for ourselves, it's a debt that's greater than we could pay, not with a million lifetimes, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We fully deserve every bit of wrath and punishment that comes our way for our faults and failures, for our selfishness, arrogance, and greed. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus had reborn confidence. When he first sought out Jesus, he wasn't so sure. He was skeptical at best. But he had an opportunity to hear and to witness something Jesus conquers uncertainty. At the end of this story, at the end of John chapter 3, Nicodemus fades into the background. We don't get the privilege of seeing his response or hearing his confession of faith. If John chapter 3 were the end of the story, we might have to shrug our shoulders and wonder. I don't know what happened to wondering Nicodemus. But it's not the end of the story. God blesses us with an opportunity to meet him again. At the end of Jesus' ministry, in John chapter 19, we meet Nicodemus again. A man named Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man who was a follower of Christ, approached Pontius Pilate and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus so that they could, he could give him a proper burial. And then John includes this note for us. He tells us that Joseph was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. A lavish gift from a faithful follower. You and I also have reborn confidence. We've been baptized into God's holy name. Our eyes have been opened and now we can cling to the promises of God. Our sins have been washed clean and removed from us forever. We have been robed in the righteousness of Christ. We have been given a promise of his presence and a share of his victory. We know that heaven is open to us because of what our Savior Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit has created faith in our hearts through the saving power of holy baptism. And that faith is strengthened every time God visits us in his word. 
And now with that reborn confidence, now we can go out into the world. We can go out into the world to help those in our world whose eyes are closed. There are plenty in our lives who are looking in every wrong direction. We can share with them a simple message. Look to Jesus and live. We can share a simple gospel message. Tell them how their God feels about them and what he has done. They are members of the world, and that means that we can say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What a privilege it is to have this clarity and this confidence. We have a reborn confidence. We have been born again, born from above. Our God has seen fit to claim us to be his own and to plant faith, saving faith in our hearts. That means that we know for certain that we are heirs of everlasting life, which means that here and there we can live with joy. Here and there we have the peace that passes understanding. Here and there we will worship our God who has made this all to be possible. In Jesus, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.